This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Reverend Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> I'm excited to be coming to you from Maine. I'm back on Deer Isle, Maine. It's so lovely to be here and see all the leaves mostly turned, but still turning and to be on the ocean. I'm very very grateful for the opportunity to come to Maine. And uh, speaking of Maine, I uh, just uh, before I pray in, I would like to introduce my guest. I have a guest this week, and he's been on the show many times. So I encourage you to go look in the archive. We have many episodes with Gary Renard. Gary Renard is the author of Disappearance of the Universe, The Lifetimes When Jesus and Buddha Knew Each Other, Love Has Forgotten No One, and Your Immortal Reality. Uh, one of the things that I frequently say is that for people who are new to A Course in Miracles, and maybe struggling a little with the text or something like that, I always suggest to read Gary's first book, Disappearance of the Universe. It is a, a much beloved and very helpful book in terms of getting into the course, understanding the course, and appreciating the value of the course. And so welcome, Gary. Hey, Jennifer. It's always a pleasure to be with you. I, I, I'm happy to hear your voice. <laughs> yeah, it's always good to hear your voice or to be with you in person as well. And uh, we've known each other a long time. We first became friends, I believe it was early 2007. And uh, uh, so uh, we've known each other a long time. And we have traveled this road of living A Course in Miracles. And it's wonderful to have mighty companions along the journey. Hey, before we get into too much conversation, I'm going to do as I always do and start us off with a prayer. So let's place our hands on our heart and just remember that we're not half-hearted here. We're wholehearted. We're wholeheartedly available to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self. We're truly, truly grateful to come together for the purpose of healing, for the purpose of clarity and expansion, for the purpose of surrendering all the blocks to love. We are truly grateful to relinquish anything that could stand in our mind and prevent us from being aware of the truth. We are grateful to value the truth and to value each other. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. And uh, Gary, you picked a great topic for us. I don't think anybody's ever talked about it, including me. Uh, the difference between duality and non-duality in A Course in Miracles. I think this is a, a really helpful topic. And uh, first, before we get into your topic, I also would like to ask you, because I know people like to know, are you working on another book? <laughs> well, actually, I am. Uh First of all, Cindy and I are writing a book together, which is just about finished, about relationships. And uh, a lot of people tell me, wow, they really want something about relationships. And Cindy and I happen to be working on a book together about that. And that will be out probably pretty soon, probably, you know, oh, good. Probably, hopefully for 
uh, Valentine's Day. That's what we're shooting for. And at the same time, uh, Cindy's working on her second book because her first book has done very well. She's like in five languages now, and she's, you know, really going straight ahead with that. And uh, then I am working on my fifth book with Arden and Persa. So we have some stuff going on. <laughs> you know, we have <laughs> some pretty uh, active things going on. And then I'm writing a TV series based on my books, which actually looks like it might happen. So Yay. like we got a lot of stuff going on here. And we just moved to Hollywood about a year and a half ago because we were in Brentwood before that. And Brentwood right. is a very nice, quiet, as you know, residential type community. Mm-hmm. But then we moved to Hollywood. I felt guided to come here. And I didn't really know why. But then all of a sudden these things are happening that might have to do with these Hollywood projects. So... Mm-hmm. Wow, it's like my head is kind of spinning right now. But hey, you know, that's the way it is right now. And I still have it in the back of my mind that maybe someday I'm going to move to Hawaii. But I've had that in the back <laughs> of my mind for many, many years. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> if it's going to happen or not. But uh, hey, I think that we have a few years here in Hollywood. So, uh, you know, West Hollywood is a very nice place. Uh, downtown Hollywood. You know, kind of seedy, but uh, West Hollywood's a very nice place. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like, you know, fun. I mean, I'm having a good time. And, yeah, uh, the thing that surprises me the most about Hollywood is how hard they work. They really work hard here. And mm-hmm. I didn't expect that, but I'm just going to have to get used to it. <laughs> well, I lived in... Um in a little strip of land right between West Hollywood and Hollywood for 22 years. So I know that area very well, and I loved living there. It's it's, uh, wonderful to be in the center of everything. And also, I I had a wonderful view of the mountains. Can you see the mountains at all? Are you near the Hollywood Hills? Yeah, yeah, I'm right near the hills. If I walk around the corner, I can see the whole mountains. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really cool. That's so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I live right near the uh, Directors Guild of America, so if you picture oh, yeah. where that is, yeah. I, oh, I you're you're in my old neighborhood. We, we we won't out you with your address, but the, I used to live just uh, two blocks from there. Wow, isn't it funny how everything connects? You know. Yep. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so uh, I anyway. just want to ask. I'd like to ask you, what is the topic of your next book? Well, it's about going all the way home to God. Mm. It's about completing the journey, about going all the way home. And uh, I won't give you the title because I'm not telling anybody yet, but I know what it is, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but like, uh, it's really about completing the journey, the experience of enlightenment, the experience of being with God and being in that presence of oneness and what it's like and what it feels like to be enlightened. And I think that people want that because they want me to kind of like complete uh, the story of my four books. There's one more book that actually brings you all the way home. And uh, that may be my final book with Art and Versus. They seem to be... Mm. That, so uh, yeah, that's what I'm up to. Well, I look forward to reading it, and it sounds like a much look for uh, something we'll really look forward to that topic because I, I think about this all the time because I am definitely on a path of awakening. We all are, but I'm aware of it. I know it, and I I remember a few years ago I said. Okay, I'm coming out of the closet here. I'm just going to let everybody know I am on a path of attaining enlightenment. I'm not I'm not one of these people that says, "Oh, that's too big for me." I used to feel that like, "Oh, I could never say that or declare that." But I think it's so important that we declare it. That's what we're doing. We're about awakening, we're about enlightenment, we're about returning home and that we do have what it takes because in truth we're already there. So let's decide 
that's where we'd like to place our awareness. And so, yay, I can't wait to read that book. Well, great. You know, when you said you were going to come out, I thought maybe you were talking about something else. But, uh, no. no. <laughs> Came out of the yeah, spiritual absolutely. closet of uh, being uh, on the path of enlightenment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like, uh, you know, we all are on the path. And when you start to feel like you're awakening, you sense it. It's like you can't put it into words but you actually sense it. You actually have a kind of a feeling that you are awakening. And mm-hmm. uh, what I'm trying to do with my fifth book is actually put it into words, which is not easy. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not easy to capture experience. You know, that's always been my hardest part in writing my books because the conversations with Arden and Persa, they're just given to me. So that's the easy part. The hard part is trying to write my narration and my notes and to actually capture what was going on for me at the time that I was mm-hmm. doing, you know, and it's not always easy to capture your experience, you know, of forgiveness and about all these uh, events that are happening in your life. So that's been the most difficult thing for me in, in writing. I don't get myself to be a writer, and it's, you know, really not been very easy for me to do those things. But at the same time, there's an old uh, adage among writers. They say, I hate to write, but I'd love to have written. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's not always easy when you're doing it. And, and of course, people don't know that, and you're not supposed to see that, and you're not supposed to think about it. They just see the finished uh, product. But it's like, wow, God, sometimes it's just not easy. And uh, I have gotten to the point where I realize when I'm doing it, I'm saying, okay, this is not easy, but I'm going to be very happy when this is finished. <laughs> so, so that's what it's like writing for me. It's not easy for me, but uh, it's also a very rewarding experience after you've done it. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. And I'm so glad you do it, truly, because... Uh, especially for me, Disappearance of the Universe was set of such a friend to me in a dark time. Uh, I was really going through a lot when I first read Disappearance, and I was so encouraged by your voice in there and that you were able to live that life and hold that secret and to keep it sacred and devote yourself for all those years. It really was such an encouragement to me to keep going, to not give up, to uh, follow this path. So to me, you, your, your voice is a friend on the path that is so valuable. And uh, I know many, many people feel that way. So thank you for continuing and, Hey, I, I'm really eager to hear about uh, what, what you'd like to share about the difference between duality and non-duality in A Course in Miracles. Well, I'm going to do that, but if you don't mind, <laughs> I just want to mention one thing. Oh, uh, sure. I noticed that you're in, you're in Maine now, right? Right. Right. Well, you know, uh, I wrote The Disappearance of the Universe in Maine. Yeah. That's where in I Poland, lived right? The whole time. Yeah, in Poland Spring, where I, I actually lived the distance of the universe, that whole nine-year period that I wrote the book was right there in Maine. And yeah, I, I grew up in uh, Massachusetts, and I lived a long time in Massachusetts and went to Boston all the time. But yeah, when I was writing uh, Disappearance, it was like always in Maine. And so I have a special feeling for Maine. I, I have a kind of like wistful, kind of like uh, beautiful memories of mm-hmm. me, even though I can't say that I really liked it. You know, it, it's too cold for me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> half, the year, half the year is just too cold. But at the same time, I, I have very fond memories of Arden person appearing to me on my living room couch and, and counseling me all the time. On I was up on this place called White Oak Hill Road in Poland Spring, Maine, this you know, place on top of the hill and it was just, you know, very uh 
very interesting and, and uh, lovely. So I have fond memories of Maine. So thank you for being there. And uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to the difference between duality and non-duality, well, you know, I think that uh, course students, they have this idea that God is, which Arden and Persis said is the absolute truth. You know, God is. I think the hard part for course students is to get that nothing else is. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay, so they can accept that God is, but they can't accept that nothing else is. And that's the difference between duality and non-duality. You have to be able to get that nothing that you're saying, nothing that the body, the body senses are saying to you is true. And uh, that is very difficult to get because it's like, the world is in front of your face all the time. And it's very hard to get, oh, this isn't true. This is just a dream. Yet that's exactly what A Course in Miracles is saying, that this is a dream that we will awaken from. And it's not true. And the Course even says that in its preface. It says, what we are saying is not true. And I really think that that is so hard for students to get that what they're being confronted with 24 hours a day is not true. So it's kind of like you have to get used to that idea and then think outside of the box. You know, you have to kind of like overlook the illusion that is being presented to you and think about the truth, which is everywhere. You know, it's like uh, the truth hasn't gone anywhere. You know, this is... uh, something that is here and has never gone away, like heaven has never gone away. Heaven is here right now, and it's being obscured by this illusion that is kind of like a thin veil. Maybe you could think of it as being kind of like a thin veil in between you and the truth. And it's almost like you could reach outside of it and then pull it in, and then it's everywhere. So the thing is, Heaven is here. It hasn't gone away. It reminds me of something that Jesus said uh, 2,000 years ago, and you can see this in the Gospel of Thomas. You know, uh, the disciples went up to Jesus, and we said, you know, when will the kingdom come? And he said, well, it will not come by watching for it. It will not be said, behold here or behold there. Rather, the kingdom of the Father is spread out upon the earth, and people do not see it. And of course, I had no idea what he meant at that time. <laughs> but it was like, okay, it's here, and people do not see it. Well, the reason that people do not see it is because it's out of their awareness. You know, so they are not aware of the fact that it's here. And it kind of is like the Course says, you know, it says... Uh, the uh, idea is to remove the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance. And this is where people have to think big. You know, A Course in Miracles is a very big teaching. You know, it's not a little teaching. It's a very big teaching. And when it talks about removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance, well, your natural inheritance is nothing less than the kingdom of heaven. That is your natural inheritance. When the Course talks about love, it's not talking about human love. It's talking about something much bigger than that. It's it's talking about something that is a gift that God gave to you. And what God gave to you was the entire kingdom of heaven. And that's why I say that the Course is speaking on a very big level. It's because not only is that your natural inheritance, but you don't have to earn it. It's a gift It was given to you by God. You don't have to earn a Christmas gift. If somebody gives you a gift for Christmas, you don't have to earn it. Well, you don't have to earn the kingdom of heaven either. It was a gift that was given to you by God. And all that you have to do is awaken to it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to go through any kind of uh, sacrifice or anything. There's a section in the Course called the End of Sacrifice. It's like you don't have to do anything, but you do have to do your forgiveness work in order to undo the ego. You know, just like the Course says, 
you know, uh, salvation is undoing. You undo the ego through a certain kind of forgiveness that doesn't make it real. And then when you do that, you start to maybe experience uh, the kingdom of heaven more and more as you go along. And then at the end, that's all that you'll be experiencing. You'll just be experiencing the kingdom. And grant you, that's a very advanced uh, place, but it is possible because uh, Jesus even says in the Course, he says that we will be equal as teachers, which I found pretty far-fetched at one time. (laughs) I mean, Jesus, really, you're saying that I'm going to be like you? Okay. (laughs) But uh, that's what he's saying. And it's like, uh, I really think that that's possible because I don't believe that the Holy Spirit would give you a job that wasn't doable. Mm. So I think that uh, it is possible. And, yeah, we're we're doing the best we can. And uh, as the Course says, the means of the atonement is forgiveness. So there's that certain kind of forgiveness that, once again, doesn't make it real. And if you could kind of like... Uh, Kind of like write, write something on your forehead <laughs> when you look in the mirror. It should be, don't make it real. Yeah, because that's what the Course is saying, that none of this is true. And you can't forgive somebody because they've really done something. You have to forgive because they haven't really done anything because you're the one who created them in the first place. You know, you're the one who had this projection that you decided to see outside of yourself, you know, one of the most startling lines in the Course to me is when Jesus says in the Course, he says, what he sees is his own guilt seen as being outside of him. And that startled me because I realized that, you know, there have been people in my life who have abused me and who have uh, actually physically abused me. And it's like, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, wait a minute, the Course is telling me that what I'm seeing is my own guilt seen outside of me, and there's that line, you know, his own guilt is, is howling to reunite with him, which is pretty graphic. And it's like, wow, that was my own guilt, and it didn't even really happen, but it was my own guilt that I was seeing as, as being outside of me. And if I can forgive that, if I can really forgive that, then I can be free. And I thought, okay, because I I can think of a few people in my life, you know, I I don't think of them anymore, but I could think of a few people in my life who, you know, have not been very nice to me. And it's like, if I can forgive that, I can be free. And when I realized that, it really motivated me. It really... Mm -hmm made me feel like, you know what, if I can do that, it's not easy. In fact, forgiveness can be hard at times, and, and sometimes it will seem impossible. Mm-hmm. But but at the same time, if I can do that, I can be free. And when I realized that, it, it really uh, helped me to really want to do it. So I would say to anybody who's listening right now, forgiveness is not easy. Of course, miracles is not easy. But it's worth doing, not for other people, because there are no other people. It's worth doing for yourself. Indeed. It, it is. What, what has helped you the most in doing that forgiveness? Is there some method or technique that you've found most helpful, Gary? Well, one of the things that I find uh, very helpful is first of all, put the Holy Spirit in charge when you get up in the morning. Whenever you think of it, put the Holy Spirit in charge because then you're off the hook. It's not your responsibility. It's the Holy Spirit's responsibility. And then, whenever you can, remind yourself that you're dreaming. I remind myself several times a day that I'm dreaming. So if I'm walking down the street, it's like, oh, I'm not walking down the street. I'm having a dream that I'm walking down the street. So then it, it kind of like takes you out of the body. Because, you, know, you know, dreaming is of the mind. And so now, oh, uh, I'm not actually doing this. 
I'm dreaming that I'm doing this. And the more that you remind yourself of that, you know, hopefully a few times a day, then you're going to get that, you know, maybe this isn't uh, what I thought it was. And so uh, things may start to feel a little bit looser. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you're not in a body. You're having a dream that you're in a body, and then the body starts to feel lighter. It starts to feel more like the figure in a dream that it really is instead of this thing that you have to carry around. It's almost like you're not in a body anymore, and you're kind of like watching your mind floating around, and uh, things start to get looser, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm sitting at a desk right now, I, I could bang on the desk, and it doesn't feel as solid as it used to. Mm-hmm. It starts to feel uh, a little bit looser, everything starts to feel uh, like it's not such a big deal anymore. I, you know, I love the lines of the Course, it says, fear binds the world, forgiveness sets it free. It's like you're setting the world free with your forgiveness. You're actually letting everything letting everything go is another workbook lesson. I loose the world from all I thought it was. It's like you start to just loosen up, basically. And uh, then, as you go along... You know what? I'm going to have to interrupt you right there because we are going to a break. So we'll pick this up after the break. Sure. And just to let everybody know, I'm Jennifer Hadley. My guest is Gary Renard. We are walking the talk, living the love, right here on Unity Online Radio with A Course of Miracles. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and my guest today is Gary Renard, author of many books, and one of my favorites, Disappearance of the Universe. And Gary and I are talking about the difference between duality and non-duality in A Course in Miracles. And uh, Gary was just talking about the loosening of the awareness. And uh, what I heard also in that is this technique that you're talking about pausing a few times a day to really remind yourself that it's a dream helps to loosen all the attachments that we have uh, the zillions of attachments that we have to everything in life and remember that none of it is real and so this is how you were able to really release those great hurts and resentments? Yeah, I, I think that you have to realize that what you're saying is not true. So even though it's difficult, uh, A Course in Miracles says that in order to learn this course, it is necessary for you to question every value that you have ever had. Now, that's not easy but it is necessary. For example, how about giving up being right? You know, could you actually give up being right? And and I'm not saying that you can't be right if that's your job or something. You know, sometimes you have a job and you're supposed to be right, sure. But at the same time, I'm talking psychologically. Do you have to be right? And if you have to be right, then guess what? You're making it real. If you weren't making it real, then you wouldn't have to be right. So it's like you have to kind of like look at your values, look at all the things that you thought were so important and give it up. And that's very difficult. You know, it's not an easy path. But at the same time, you could say, well, okay, maybe I don't have to be right. You know, maybe, uh, you know, that person isn't even there. And uh, that's, not easy, you know? It's like, what do you mean they're not there? It's like my ego is saying, of course they're there, and of course you have to be right, and of course you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you have to, you have to do this. You know, it's it's like uh, the ego is relentless, you know? So the ego is just going to keep telling you that, wow, you can't forget that bastard. They, they, don't, they don't deserve it, you know? 
it's it's like okay what if i didn't have to be right you know what if i could just loosen up and relax and not have to be right then maybe just maybe i would feel better and i've tried doing that and you know what i do feel better yeah. feel better so it's like this is a gift that it it looks at first like you're giving this gift to somebody else. It, mm. it looks like you're forgiving them out there. And then you realize after a while, actually, I'm the one who's getting the benefits of doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who's going to feel better. I'm the one who's going to feel younger. You know, it's like uh, I started doing The Course of Miracles 26 years ago. I don't feel any older today than I did 26 years ago. Yeah, it's it's like uh, my body is lighter. I feel, you know, like everything is just uh, so relaxed. And uh, I didn't see that coming because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But fortunately for me, uh, the Holy Spirit appearing as, as Arden Persa, they you know, counseled me in a good way. And I don't think that I ever would have understood the Course of Miracles without them. You know, it's like, I'm just a guy, you know, I'm not even a, 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 I wasn't even a spiritual person at the time that they first appeared to me. And it's like, wow, they they just uh, illuminated the whole thing for me. And so now here I am, uh, and I can't believe that I'm living in Hollywood with this beautiful woman. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, how did I get here? Really, how did I get here? <laughs> And it's crazy. And it's like, oh, well, uh, that was supposed to happen. And I didn't see that coming at all. So uh, I feel uh, very fortunate. And, you know, I've had a very lucky life. And you questioned me about that in the past. We used to say, well, Gary, you had scoliosis, and you were so lucky. But you know <laughs> what? I, I still feel pretty lucky. And, uh, you know, I, you know, walk around here in Hollywood, and it's like, do I really live here? You know, I look up at the Hollywood Hills, you know, do I really live here? And the answer is no, you don't really live here. You're having a dream that you live here. <laughs> and that's true. You know, it's really true. It's like, this does not really exist, and that's another thing for me to get. And uh, one of the things I want to mention about the Course is that you don't have to forgive the good stuff. You know, because um, the good stuff is just a reflection of the right part of your mind. Mm. You know, to forgive the romantic walks on the beach and the beautiful sunsets and all that. What you need to forgive is the negative emotions. That's why the Course makes such a big deal out of the fact that anger is never justified. It's like that's where the red flag comes out. When you start to feel anxious or upset or worried or any of the negative feelings that you have, that's when you need to be on the lookout. That's when you need to forgive because that's the ego. You know, the Holy Spirit would not make you feel anxious or, you know, upset or anything. But the ego wants you to be upset because that makes it real. You know, so that's when you want to watch out for those feelings that come up. And by the way, those feelings uh, come up as a result of the thoughts that you've been having over a long period of time. You know, So you have these thoughts, and then those thoughts result in feelings. So you want to be on the lookout for that, because people are more likely to act out of their feelings than yep. anything. You know, So you want to watch when you're starting to feel upset, and that's your opportunity right there. That's when you want to forgive because you want to notice that's the ego and I'm going to stop thinking with the ego and I'm going to switch to the Holy Spirit which uh, is what the Course would call the Holy Instant where you actually choose the right teacher instead of the wrong teacher and you start to think with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to give you a totally different story about what's going on and the Holy Spirit is going to say, hey look, this isn't real. And by the way, that's the difference between uh, duality and non-duality. Non-duality would say nothing else is true except for God, which is why the Course says be vigilant only for God and his kingdom. So then you say, okay, 
I'm going to be vigilant for God, and I am going to deny the ego's denial, which is the proper use of denial, according to the Course. The Course says about forgiveness, it denies the ability of anything not of God to affect you. So now you're saying, this world cannot affect me because I am with God in his kingdom. And this world cannot hurt me. This world cannot threaten me. Mm-hmm. I am oblivious to the ego. And then, the more that you practice that, and it does take a lot of repetition, but the more that you practice that, the more that you actually experience that, because you uh, experience what you believe in. You know, mm-hmm. the power of belief, the power of belief and the power of the mind are incredible. So the more that you believe something, the more it will become your reality. So the more that you believe in God and his kingdom, the more that is going to become your reality instead of this, which is really kind of uh, you know, kind of silly when you look at it because it's always changing, it's always fleeting, you know, it's always in a state of uh, motion. You know, it's what the uh, Buddhists would call impermanence. You know, it's like it's always going in and out. You can't depend on it. You can't depend on anything here except that it's going to change. And yet God is a reality that does not shift or change. You know, that's the difference, as Jesus would say 2,000 years ago. That's the difference between building your house upon the rock mm. or on and this world is definitely the sand, but the world of God is the rock. It's like it doesn't change. It doesn't shift or change. It's something that you can actually depend upon. So why wouldn't you want to shift your reality from something that can't be depended on to something that can be depended on? And when you do that, you start to realize, well, you know, uh, it's, it's different. And then maybe you'll have an experience, what the Course calls revelation, where you actually have a direct experience of your perfect oneness with God, and the body will seem to disappear. And there's this experience that is outside of time. And, you know, uh, the word eternal actually means without time. You know, I used to think, oh, eternal, that's, that sounds like a really long time. Well, it's it's without time. There is no time. You just have that experience, and nothing happens next. It's like just an experience of timelessness where you're not looking into any future or anything because there is no future. There's no future outside of time. So you're there with God, and that's it. And you experience that, and there is nothing else. And you don't want anything else, and you don't need anything else. It's just there. And you have that experience, and it's like, uh, yeah, then maybe you'll come back here, or you'll appear to come back here. But in that experience, you realize that, okay, that was something where I didn't have any questions, uh, because I didn't have any doubt. You know, the Course describes it as the complete but temporary suspension of doubt and fear. Mm. So there is no doubt, which means that there is no question. And then you come back here, and you appear to have questions. But if you remember that experience, you may realize that you're dreaming the questions because there are no questions there. There's only the answer. And then here, in this apparent world, we have questions. But those questions simply arise from a condition of doubt. And then you start to realize, well, maybe I don't need to have any doubt. Maybe I can just uh, accept the answer. And the answer is God, and there is nothing else. So, you know, this whole path of Course in Miracles is leading us to a place that is beyond all words. You know, yes, the Course has a half a million words, but those half a million words are meant to bring us to a place that is beyond all words, that is beyond uh, anything that you can speak of, to this magnificent experience of God. And that blows away anything that this world has to offer. And when you experience that, then you'll say, okay, give me more of that. You know, because I don't need this anymore. I'm, I'm tired of being, <laughs> you know, I'm tired of being a person. I, 
I'm not a person. I want to be home with God, and give me more of that. And uh, when you get to that point, I think you're, you're beyond the point of no return. It's like you can't come back and actually believe in this world anymore because that experience is so much more real than this world. Mm-hmm. That you recognize that that has to be the truth. That has to be reality because it's so much more real than this is. And, uh, boy, when you have that experience, then you will never go back. It, it's like you'll just say... I'm going home. I am going home. And it's kind of like what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. He said, you know, God, I just want you. I don't need anything else. I just want you. And that was his attitude. And that's the attitude that we're all going to have to adopt uh, eventually, because if we really want to go home, we're going to have to say, hey, you know, the hell with the world. I just want God. So do uh, uh, so many things are running through my mind here, uh, and one is so. Do are people asking you as you're talking about this? Well, what 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 does that mean? What comes next? What kind of a an experience comes next once you go home? Yeah, because people, yeah, are, yeah we all want to know. Well, okay, sure. Uh, I, I get this is the cheap stuff. We could have the good stuff, but what's that really going to be like? Well, what it's going to be like is this magnificent experience that you can't put into words, but it is uh, total bliss. It's like uh, you're not going to want anything else. It's a very sexual experience, which I'm not going to get into, but the Course does say that your relationship with God is intensely personal and that it involves the kind of uh, experience that is sometimes sought in physical relationships, but physical relationships cannot achieve it. Mm. So the Course is saying that true union is only possible at the level of the mind. Now, that may not sound too sexy to some people, but the truth is that when you have that experience, it blows away any kind of physical experience that you can mm-hmm. have. So mm-hmm. it's, like, it's like, okay, uh, and it's going to be that way all the time. I mean, it's not going to change. It's, it's going to be that way all the time. And you're going to absolutely love it, and you won't want anything else. You know, So it's like, wow. And then, of course, people will say, well, how, if everything was so perfect, then how can there ever be a thought of separation? And the Course is pretty clear about that. The Course is saying, well, actually, there wasn't. and It never happened, which will not satisfy anybody intellectually. Right. <laughs> but, but if they have that experience, then that experience is the answer. It's like Jesus says in the workbook, late in the workbook, he says, there is no answer. Only an experience. Seek only this, and do not let theology delay you. And he's saying, look, the answer is going to come to you not in the form of words, but in the form of an experience. An experience of what you really are and where you really are. And that's the answer. The real answer is going to come to you in the form of an experience, not in the form of words, uh, the Course has words about symbols and symbols, twice removed from reality. And what you want to go for is the experience that is the answer rather than words, which are you know, just designed in the Course to get you beyond all those words. And uh, at the end, you know, A Course in Miracles is, is really rather experiential. You know, you don't think that at first because it looks very intellectual. But at the end... Jesus is saying to these intellectuals, hey, go for the experience. <laughs> go for the experience of God. And uh, I can't help but think of uh, Helen Chuckman, God bless her, the scribe of A Course in Miracles. She said, thank God there's finally something for us intellectuals. <laughs> and, <laughs> 
And it was like, uh, Helen, by the way, uh, you know, uh, these, yeah, it's for you intellectuals, but it's meant to get you beyond being an intellectual. <laughs> it's meant right, to right. get you to an experience of God, which is way beyond uh, any intellect. So, and, and you know, I, I meet uh, you know, highly intelligent people all the time, and they're so proud of their intellect. And I feel like saying to them, hey, give me a break, all right? <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah, so you're so smart, right? If you were so smart, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> you know? so, it slows like, us down. Yeah, yeah. So, it gets yeah. in the way. I, you know, if, if if you don't mind, I'd love to uh, f- ask you a follow-up question to what you were sharing in the first half of uh, the show here that about the guilt and guilt manifesting as our experiences. Uh, one way that I describe it, I'd like to see what, what you would say about this, Gary. Uh, for instance, I just did... Uh, a retreat that was amazing with uh, a group of people who were recovering from sexual abuse and they had all been uh, abused by relatives when they were children and and some for many years. And uh, I've been working with sexually abused people for a long time and they often think, you know, what, what would I have ever done to have brought this upon me as a child. What would you say to that person in terms of this, uh, the guilt manifesting as that experience? Well, uh, that's obviously a very difficult uh, subject. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the uh, topic of karma because, you know, what is done to you is probably something that you did to somebody else at another time. And nobody wants to hear that, so you know, I'm, not, I'm already sorry that I said it, <laughs> but it's like, uh-huh. you know, it's like, uh, hey, guilt is something that can be traced all the way back to the original idea that we separated ourselves from God. That's where the guilt started. It's like mm-hmm. we thought that we had sinned against God, and so you had this massive metaphysical denial of that guilt that was projected outward that created the universe of time and space. And very often what we see outside of us is our own guilt that is uh, actually a projection, but it's not really outside of our mind because nothing is outside of your mind. It's like the Course says, uh, ideas leave not their source. So what you're seeing is your own guilt outside of you, but it's not outside of you because nothing is outside of you, because this whole universe of time and space is occurring within your mind. You know, so I know it's hard to grasp, but the truth is, you know, if something is 50 million light years away, that is still occurring within your mind. There is nothing that is outside of your mind. The whole thing is a projection that is coming from your mind, and it looks like it's outside of you, but it's not. You know, so what you're seeing no matter what the situation. And this is where it gets hard because the ego is hard, because the ego is very clever. The ego has set you up to make you think that this is real. So what you're seeing is a very convincing projection, but that's all it is. It's nothing more. Now, I know you can't expect children or you know people who are going through this to understand that that's what they're seeing. You know, it's very difficult. But at some point in your spiritual life, you are going to get to the point where you realize that that is the truth and you can forgive it. And I'm not saying that forgiveness is easy. In fact, I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm saying that it's hard. But at the same time, it is doable. And the Holy Spirit will counsel you to be like Jesus. And you know, you look at Jesus at the end of his life, you know, things weren't exactly going good. You know, he was crucified. But he was able to forgive people even when they were destroying his body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm up for that, but <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's what he could do. He, 
But he does say in the Course that you are not asked to be crucified. You are merely asked to follow my example in the face of much less extreme temptations to misperceive and not to accept them as false justifications for anger. So he's saying, okay, I was crucified. You don't have to do that. But whatever comes up in front of your face on any given day, which is usually the average stuff, you know, we don't get what we want, things don't go our way, Uh, somebody says something unkind to us and we get irritated, or some politician comes on the TV screen and we can't stand. It's like everyday stuff, that is what we are being asked by Jesus in the Course to forgive. And he's saying, look, I, I could forgive people when they were destroying my body. You can forgive people who have done nothing to you. And God knows there are Christians out there who can't forgive people who have done nothing to them. So, mm. it's like, uh, hey, you know, you look you know, to Jesus. Look to him as an example. He says, take me as your example for learning. And I have, you know. And I didn't have a hard time with that, you know, because when I was a kid, I used to talk to Jesus in my mind. You know, I always felt like he was my friend. I always felt like I could talk to him, like, you know, he would be kind of like my buddy. And I didn't know why. I I didn't know why until I was in my 40s, and Arden and Verse explained it to me, that he he was my friend, actually. And uh, I always felt like I could trust him. So when I finally got to A Course in Miracles, then when I was reading the first few pages, it was like, okay, I know this guy. This is Jesus. Yes. I knew. And I think that a lot of the people who uh, become into A Course in Miracles, they kind of like recognize the authority of that voice. Because a lot of us, like you and me, we we were there 2,000 years ago at the time of Jesus. And we listened to him. And then we... When we pick up the course, it's like, oh yeah, I know this guy. You know, I know that what he's saying is true. I recognize the authority of the voice that is in the course, and uh, I think that really resonates with a lot of people because I, I meet a lot of people around the world, and, and as do you. And it's like, yeah, you can tell that yes. they they were there or they they recognize something about the voice of the course that rings true for them. Yes. And that's where we're going to have to uh, call it a day here. It goes so fast. Um, I, gosh, we're really at time here. I'm so grateful. Jennifer, when it comes to non-duality, just remember one thing. Nothing is real except for God. Yes. Thank you. And on that note, I'm going to say a blessing and pray us out. So grateful and thankful for the opportunity to know the truth together. So grateful that the truth indeed sets us free. And the truth is we're part of God. In gratitude, we let it be. So it is. Amen. Amen. 